Good afternoon, everybody, uneducated economist here. So, <laughs> I love the comment. I would never take financial advice from a guy who's sitting in a broken down car with fuzzy dice hanging from the mirror. And I totally have to agree with that. I wouldn't take financial advice from me either because I'm not a financial advisor. I'm just now getting out of being like broke broke, broke, like really broke, you know? And so when it comes to trying to figure out what it is that I'm supposed to be doing with money, that's what I'm doing right now. That's what I'm doing with this channel. That's what I've been doing this whole time. So I wouldn't take financial advice from me either. What I'm trying to do is figure out what's going on in the economy so I can figure out what it is that I'm supposed to do with my money. And I think that you should do that as well. And everybody who tries to figure out what it is that's going on in the economy will then be safer with their money and where they are putting it. And that is the whole point of this channel. So do not take financial advice from this channel. I really appreciate it. Thank you very much. The Uneducated Economist, you let me know. Right. Okay. So let's move on to the economics part of things. All right. Um, wanted to share just this uh, this CB CNBC article, and it's a. Uh, I'm sorry, I I didn't write down the gentleman's name. Um, I should have wrote that down. But they're interviewing uh, the strategist, this economist, and it's kind of like what I have been finding when I listen to the common narrative out there, is that they are really missing what it is that the Federal Reserve is attempting to do. And now it's not necessarily the simple, like, let's get inflation to come down, right? I mean, how do you do that? Let's raise interest rates. Okay, so all the simple things that everybody kind of understands about what has happened with inflation, right? We have the Federal Reserve going to massive money printing, right? And that is the reason why we have inflation, okay? Simple enough. Like, you don't have to money printer go burr, prices go up, right? Simple explanation. Now, something that I found very interesting is that nobody who says that can explain how quantitative easing one, two, three, and four failed to get the inflation that the Federal Reserve was looking for. The balance sheet from the Federal Reserve went from $850 billion to $4.3 trillion. It more than quadrupled during the time of the quantitative easings one, two, three, and four. Now, we just experienced some serious money printing. I mean, more money printing than has happened ever, right? But it only doubled the balance sheet, a little over doubled. It went from a little over right around $4 trillion to what, $9-something trillion? So it just a little over doubled. It didn't even remotely come close to what the quantitative easing had done back in 1, 2, 3, and 4, back in the great financial crisis from 2000, what was it? They started quantitative easing, what, 2009 or something like that? 2008, nine. And it went on to what, quite a few years, uh, three years after that, three, four years. So they ended it in like 2013, 14, something like that. And so all that quantitative easing, all that money printing that had taken place, that balance sheet expansion failed to achieve a 2% inflation scenario that the Federal Reserve was looking for. Now, people were anticipating it. I was too. I was screaming out hyperinflation. I was diving into silver head first, thinking that we were going to have a hyperinflation scenario, but it didn't happen. You know why? It's because quantitative easing doesn't cause inflation. What quantitative easing does is it fills the bank's balance sheet. It overloads them. And most of that money printing ends up as deposits at the bank. Right? It ends up on the big bank's balance sheets. And now, or in reserves, I guess I should say. Ends up as the reserves in the bank's balance sheets. And so, unless this money is lent into the system, it just sits there. It doesn't do anything. So that's how there is no quantitative or no inflation during the quantitative easings. 
of 1, 2, 3, and 4 is that most of that never made it into the system to begin with. But the idea that it was going to go into the system really freaked a lot of people out. And that's the whole point of quantitative easing. It's a credible threat. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Now, don't get me wrong. Stimulus packages definitely injected money into the system. But a major difference is, is that there was money injected into the system before, but we didn't have a supply chain breakdown. This time we had a supply chain breakdown and we had the stimulus packages at the same time. Now, the stimulus packages, that's debt. That was paid for with debt. That is money that is due back, plus interest. That is unproductive debt. And this is something that we have talked about many times. It's like buying beers or saws. And if you can relate everything in the economy to either a beer or a saw that you have purchased. And you think about it, if you go and buy beer, you're buying something that has quite a bit of economic activity happening. Right? There's agriculture, distribution, manufacturing, entertainment. There's all kinds of stuff that goes into beer, right? So once you are buying beer, you are putting a lot of economic activity into the system. But once the beer is gone, the economic activity stops. You purchase that beer with debt. Now you have to work with a hangover to pay that beer back, pay for that, that debt that you bought that beer with. If you go and you buy saws, well, you don't get a lot of money from that because you're going to have to work those saws for a while, pay those saws off by <clears throat> paying back the debt plus the interest. But once you have paid that debt off, those saws will now produce as much money as you need. Well, not as much money as you need, but it can now produce money that you can then use to buy as much beer as you need. See the difference? Well, these stimulus packages all went into buying beer. They didn't go into production. It went into consumption, which means at some point in the future, we have to postpone the current consumption in order to pay for that past spending that we did. And that's really where the problem is going to come in from these stimulus packages, is that it's unproductive debt, and unproductive debt will slow the economy down in the future. So it's not a matter of the short-term high that we got off of it, which definitely worked. People went out there and spent that money. They wiped out the inventory level, or all the inventory, considering the levels were already low, and we had a lack of distribution going through. So between these two items that we had going, we have major inflation happening here. But listen to the Federal Reserve. Where are they trying to get the relief from? The supply side. Why? It's because most of the quantitative easing is going to be borrowed into existence. It's not the stimulus that's going to do it that's going to create that inflation. Like if they kept stimulating the economy right now and kept the supply chain broken, we would have more inflation, right? 
But if as long as you have the supply chain starting to be repaired and you have less people consuming, then you're going to have the inflation come down. It doesn't matter how much money you have in the system. It's a matter of how many transactions are taking place. Now, granted, yeah, having a lot of money in the system does matter. But if it's sitting in the bank and not doing anything and it's not circulating, then it's not, it's not creating the inflation. Money velocity will create the inflation. So now I think about this. Everybody's strategy, right? Just everything that you read from this point on, right? Ask yourself, is this person taking into consideration the lag? Right? The lag time that it takes from the time that the Federal Reserve lifts interest rates to the time that it begins to impact the economy. There's people who are saying, anybody who says 3% interest rates are too far, look what it's done to the economy, is missing it. Right? They can say, look what it's done to the markets, look what it's done to, like, say, mortgage rates. Right? These are things that react instantaneously off the Federal Reserve's news. Well, not instantaneously, but very quickly, the markets react to this news. But the actual economy and what behave, the behaviors of what goes on in the economy, the decisions that we make, the businesses that we start, the, you know, where where did we decide to spend the money, all that kind of thing, that takes time, right? So when the Federal Reserve lifts interest rates six months to a year down the road before we start feeling the impact from that, and we are just now starting feel, to feel the impacts from the very first lifting of interest rates. So when people are saying that they've Moved them too far. Too far for what? The markets, maybe. But not for the economy. The economy has barely even felt the effects of the very first lifting of interest rates. So there's no way that 3% of Fed funds rate has an impact on the economy yet. It hasn't done it. It can't, it can't possibly have been there. There's not enough time lag or time from the uh, of the lag. You know what I'm trying to say. So this is where I feel that a lot of economists are missing that, right? That's where they need to see it. Then they blame Jerome Powell. And Powell isn't a decision maker. He is a spokesperson for the FOMC, the Federal Open Market Committee. He is the words of the monetary policy. That's it. The monetary policy is voted on by a group of people. And I forget, it's like 12 of them or something like that. And so if you go and you listen to like people like John Williams or Loretta Mestrich or I don't know, all the guys out there, there's a bunch of them. Just look up the FOMC and go and look at some of the interviews that these people are talking about. All of them are saying the same thing. They're going to have more interest rate liftings going into the future. Right? Those are the people you should listen to. Not Jerome Powell. He's not the one making the decision. So when they're saying we should fire Jerome Powell, why? It's not going to change anything. The FOMC is going to continue to vote the way they do. Right? So if we're going to try and figure out what it is that's going to happen, don't listen to Jerome Powell. Listen to the FOMC. They're the ones who are really trying to make the money or not trying they're the ones who are going to be making the monetary policies right so that's the that's where the real blame of anything or the finger pointing should be done is not at jerome powell who's the spokesperson but at the fomc and then now finally the last person last thing that you should ask yourself when you're reading these articles right is this person taken into consideration that the federal reserve is now working off of an average two percent inflation not two percent target but an average two percent over time and they do not give us any idea of what that is or how they figure that out. So that's another consideration that most people don't take in, is that there's, this is almost as if it's a secret. They told us one time months ago, and now nobody brings up average inflation anymore. Nobody talks about it. No strategists, no Federal Reserve, nobody. But I showed you the documents in the, in the recent video on how they have changed the way they conduct themselves when it comes to the inflation rate. They do not go for an inflation target. They go for an average inflation over time, and we do not know what that is. Okay. 
I got to go to work. Uneducated economist, you let me know.